Roundtable at leoroundtable.com. My name is Chip the Block, and I'm your host. We're a group of law enforcement professionals to talk about law enforcement issues, but we do it from a law enforcement perspective. Let me go ahead and introduce their crew to you. And uh, guys, if you don't mind waving for the video portion of our show, I believe it's all retired this evening too. Uh, we have attorney and former federal prosecutor, Ward Mythaler. We also have Chief John Newman, Major Ronald McMullen, Captain Brett Bartlett, Corporal David D. Gresta, and producer Will Statzer. So thank you guys for being on the show this evening. And also a shout out to our sponsors. Drum roll, we have Galls. Galls is our big new sponsor bringing, bringing you this show. We also have Extra Duty Solutions, GunLearn.com, Verdian Weapon Technologies, and Guardian Alliance Technologies. We're also on Live Free TV, Red Voice Media, and Thin Blue Line TV with Ray Dietrich, the Free Press for Brian Burns, and we're powered by Pexit. And we have a uh, excellent lineup for you guys this evening watching our show. And before I get started, let me just start off by saying that anyone watching our show, we do talk about some videos. And if you want to see the videos before, during, or after the show to see what we're talking about, simply go to our Facebook page at Leo Roundtable. I've got links to the complete show, all the videos and all the stories. And I do that in advance. So you simply go there in order to kind of get caught up on what we're talking about. And that way you're not left out in the cold. So I'm um, starting off here on policeone.com. Police agencies sign a national pledge to recruit 30% women by the year 2030. Now, um, it starts off by saying that dozens of agencies are signing a pledge to diversify their police force, the 30 by 30 initiative. It challenges uh, police departments to recruit classes of at least 30% women by 2030. And it also says the initiative's goal is not just to increase the number of women in policing. Uh, the pledge, pledge also aims to ensure police uh, policies and culture intentionally support the success of qualified women officers throughout their careers. Over 40 law enforcement agencies have signed this pledge. They range from massive city departments like NYPD and Houston PD uh, to st uh, state police and to rural agencies. And according to the organizers, women make up 12% of sworn officers and 3% of police leadership in and they also say that this underrepresentation of women in policing undermines public safety, and that's according to the group's website. And just for my stats, you know, I pulled up to see how many females we have in the U.S., and it is actually 51.1%. So over half of the U.S. population is female, and they were accurate in stating that 12.6% of law enforcement officers in the United States today are female. So that's kind of where we're at. I'd love to get the reaction from the panel on what you guys think about this. Good, bad, indifferent. What do you guys think? Not everybody at once, please. Geez, I, right. I was hoping I was hoping that some of the staff might have jumped in on this first, but um, I'll go. Um, you know, they say a, a lot of first off, that's probably one of the stupidest things I've ever heard said in an article of any kind that it somehow threatens national security. How? How? What? That's just stupid. Beyond that, um, women can do the job just fine. They have to want to. That, that's what it comes down to. And in today's climate, you, you can't recruit anybody. to Hardly anybody wants to be a police officer at this point, let alone a, a specific class of people, if that's what they're doing. They're, they're classifying we need to hire more women, specifically. Um, hopefully we'll get to a video that shows a female police officer doing a fantastic job on a, uh, on a deadly force situation later on the show. But there's a lot more hurdles they have to overcome before they start targeting specifically women to be hired. How about just making the job where people actually, anybody wants to do it at, at this point in time, 
Very good. Thanks, David. All right. We got some other open mics. We've got uh, Major Ron. We've got Attorney Ward Mythaler. We've got Chief Newman. Go ahead, guys. Go ahead and dive on in. I agree with uh, Dave. Um, <clears throat> first of all, the job has to, you know, it's a job that you have to want to do, you know. You don't do it for the pay. You do it for, you know, what you what you feel, what you can do for your community. Um, but the thing is, if it's not attractive to women as is, then make it attractive to all, like like Dave said. Um, how many women are applying for these jobs? You're making it sound like women apply, but because of this male-dominated society, they don't get hired. Well, you have to look at how many women apply for this job. And, you know, like you said, you have a specific class of people you're looking for. What are you going to do? Are you going to do like Miami did in the 80s and just hire anything that walks through the door? You know, that's, you know, that, that's not a good idea. Um, how about you just make a pledge to just diversify your department and be fair to all and treat everyone equally and treat everyone the same? That would probably make people more attractive to want to work for you and with you. Um, not just saying, oh, we're going to hire 30% women. You know, I, I have issues with that when you have a specific class that you have to hire and then you tend to wait to the last minute and then you crap the bed and then you just hire anyone, anything walking through the door, you know? So um, if you want to reform police work, why don't you reform some of the knuckleheads that think that way? You know, let's, let's be wow. judged by the content of our character, folks. All right. Thank you, Major. All right, guys, we still got a couple, Ward and, and uh, Chief John. Well, there's clear differences between men and women in terms of physicality and emotions. Now, maybe I won't get a straight answer to this. In fact, I almost don't expect to, but I'm just curious, what does the average police officer think about having female police officers? Is it good? Are, are they, do they not like it? Do they not trust them? I, I'm just curious what the, what the average police officer thinks about that. Wait, from our agency, Ron, did we care? No. Well, I, I, can th I, can think of, no. I can think of a lot of female officers that were better than males. <laughs> I, I think this it, it somewhat, hey, first of all, those 40 agencies or wherever it is, I don't think it's a case of virtual signaling. It's it's win-win when they agree to do something like that. But we all know that what Dave alluded to earlier on in the recruiting aspect you have to be able to have want females to come to work for your agency. I would like you know the media to look at themselves and private companies look at themselves and tell me what their their, their CEOs look like and their board of directors look like. So suddenly you know what what happens if I turn and call the you know the, the the board of directors of some Fortune 500 company and said it better not be surrounded by a bunch of white males. I don't like it because they're telling you to do it, but most professional law enforcement agencies have been doing it forever. I, whoever is capable, I like the fact that your agency should represent your community, but even those are unrealistic goals. I remember in the 90s, a black female recruit was highly sought after because those numbers are always low, followed by a Hispanic female. So not only did public sector jobs want them, but so did private industry because they wanted to show diversity. And it's a male-dominated field, but most of us on this panel we work for a female police chief. I didn't see her as a female police chief. She was the boss. I, so I don't think professional law enforcement doesn't see the difference. And I think this is much to do about nothing. Now, Chief, on that on that note, we've got less than three minutes before we take our commercial break. But on that note, Chief, would you would you want to work at a police department that was 100 percent? I mean, other than your presence there, 100 percent female, would you or 70 percent female? Is that 
a, a realistic possibility to be effective? I know. I, 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 no, it's not. I, I, I think, you know, to Ron, Ron's point earlier, it should be, are they, are they qualified? Do they want to be there? Are they qualified and do they want to be there? If you're reaching some number just for the arbitrary sake of reaching a diversity or quota number, you might as well go back to the 60s and the 70s. And like Ron said, you know, the Miami River Cop, you shouldn't pander just be, So that's why I don't like this article. I think those agencies are going to go, hey, yeah, we'll do it. I think it's a win-win for them. But I just, I just find this, that makes it seem like we're all a bunch of, you know, you know Joe Fridays from Dragnet of the 1950s. You know, these white dudes are inflexible, you know, Protestant work ethic, you know, no diversity and I, white privilege. And I think that's just a lousy and an incorrect view of what professional law enforcement looks like nowadays as some of your bigger agencies, at least for the ones I've associated myself with. So by qualified, you mean not just mentally, but you mean physically able to do everything and don't don't let up on the requirements for police officers just because you're trying to get females in there. Got it. Okay. No. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very good. All right. I know we have. Uh, okay. Uh, I guess Major Ron. I guess that was uh, that was it. Anybody else on this topic? Good. Good input, guys. Um, I think that yeah. There have over my career there have been women that I have been in in in, in scraps with, um, and uh, and 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 I was fine with. I mean, I remember uh, Michelle Hawthorne. Wow, the black female that was I was partnered yeah. with. And man, she could fight with the best of them. I have also worked with other females that have gotten me in fights that I had to carry a lot of the weight up. So, I mean, um, but yeah, I, uh, as long as you keep the standards uniform for everybody, I think uh, I have to agree. I don't see any reason to, uh, to win them out. However, yeah, there are big differences uh, between the two. We got about 30 seconds. Major Ron, go ahead. No, I was going to say that. I was going to mention, like, like John mentioned Jane Castor earlier with Michelle Hawthorne, Terry Fullwood. You know, Sheila Griffin, you know, there's so many women who were amazing that we worked with. And at the same time, you had some dudes that wouldn't do a damn thing. You're in a fight, you're rolling, getting, you know, you know, rolling around on the ground. They're standing there watching you. All you got to do is grab someone's leg and pull it. Help me out, you know, get to the radio, do something. But um, mm -hmm. women, you know, are, are, are classic for right. getting their calm, calming down children. Okay. All right, guys, look, we're taking a commercial break for goals. We'll be right back. Mike Fadden, the new CEO of Gauls. If I was going to ask you to best describe what Gauls does, how would you best describe Gauls in, 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 in today's market? Well, in a sentence, I would say our mission statement says it best. Uh, we're proud to serve those that are proud to serve. So we're just all about having the, the officers back. So we, we supply almost everything an officer would need except guns and ammo. So uniforms, boots, body armor, flashlights, on and on and on. It, if whenever we have uh, an officer tour our warehouse, it's like they're in a candy store, right? Because we, you know, with ninety billion dollars in inventory, we have pretty much all of it. Could you just um, explain a little bit to us about about your back, your law enforcement background? Sure, um, but as you said, I, I'm the son, grandson, and nephew of three retired police officers. I just have a a passion for for what officers do and uh, in the highest level of respect. So when the opportunity came up for me to be able to lead this great company, it was a it was my dream job. Excellent. 
Now, I remember back when Gauls had a huge, you know, catalog, and uh, and I know that Gauls has changed with the times. They've taken new directions and stuff, and that you're um, taking steps to refocus the company. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. We still have our catalog. Um, we have a big online presence, and of course, we have 80 retail stores across the country. But my, my big focus coming in has, has been on the customer. You know, Gauls has been in business for over 50 years, and, and you don't do that unless you're doing a lot of the right things. But when I came in, there, there's clearly opportunity to do a much better job for our customers. So listen, Chip, th thanks for uh, having me today, and uh, just a pleasure for me to spend a few minutes with you. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. Now, that was an interview I did with Mike Fadden. He's the new CEO of Gauls. And notice I said the new CEO. So there's a new Gauls out there. Uh, I'm actually on their website right now. They've got a 10% off of the Q series. They've got, I mean, they've got a bunch of stuff on the website. And really, it's everything but guns and ammo that Gauls carries. And I've had a relationship with them for uh, for many years. But like I said, there is a new Gauls. So please check them out at Gauls. That's G-A-L-L. S.com, and we're going to be heavily promoting them um, over the next couple months. So that said, guys, um, Chief Newman, is there something that you wanted to add from the uh, from the last one, or I guess I guess uh, Chief Newman, is there something you wanted to add from the last one, or you're good? All right, guys, let's move on to our next one. I think we've got an update coming up, and it's on PoliceOne.com. It's also on Red Voice Media and Thin Blue Line TV. It's titled "Burned Out." Portland cops leave scathing exit interviews. Guys, this reads like, a, like an exciting novel. Um, so in Portland, they trash the Portland police management. They mock city leaders. They bemoan the lack of true community-based policing. And uh, it says that um, all the Portland officers and supervisors who chose to leave the state's largest police force in the last year were doing these things. They did exit interviews. So in 31 exit interviews, I think they only had about 25% of the people participate um, in the exit interviews, but the employees turned in their badges or the re or or who retired. Uh, they were brutally frank about their reasons for getting out. Here's a quote saying the community shows zero support. It says that the, the city council are raging idiots in addition to being stupid. Additionally, the mayor and council ignore actual facts on crime and policing in favor of radical leftist and anarchist fantasy. What's worse is a PPD command uh, which is the lieutenant or higher, uh, they are arrogantly incompetent and cowardly, and that's what one retiring detective wrote. And it also said that the only differences between the Titanic and uh, PPB is deck chairs and a band, which I thought was hilarious. So since July 1st, 115 officers have left the police bureau. That includes 74 officers retiring, 41 who resigned, two more are resigning at the end of this month, and one more is retiring, and they make up one of the biggest uh, waves of departures in recent memory. And the, uh, like I said, the exit interview forms, they're voluntary, and only about a quarter of the people leaving did that. So that said, Chief Newman would love to get your input on this one. First of all, the value of an exit interview, man, <laughs> tells you exactly what, look, take all the drama aside for you HR people. Exit interviews tell you exactly why people don't want to work for your agency. Sometimes it could be longevity retirement. Sometimes that could be I hit the lottery. But we said, we've said it for months on this panel. We're not rocket scientists, but we know our business. 
If you criticize, if you defund, if you decriminalize, if you have bail reform, and if you let certain segments of your society drive policy and narrative with no data, not asking what it's going to do to the crime rate, how do you think they feel? And I'm, you know, and I saw they did list though, Chip, the ranks of the people that did participate in the exit interview, and several of them were in management to include an assistant chief. If they don't sit back and take notice that this is why their agency is leaving in droves, they're never going to fix the problem to begin with. I think it was great that they did a public records request for the exit interviews. Wow. All right. There you have it from Jeff, Chief. Can you Newman. hear me? We hear you, Jeff. Brett. Go ahead. All right. I, I apologize for saying that because sometimes I don't think you hear me with this. I'm using my iPad today. Uh, John, I think exit interviews are great, but don't tell me that the staff didn't already know why these people were leaving. I don't think it's going to make any difference. What, are they going to go to the mayor and go, hey, we got these exit interviews, and the mayor and the police chief are going to go, oh, crap, we were wrong all along, so let's start doing a better job. I simply don't think it's going to matter. I think it's great that the officers who were leaving did take the time to let somebody know because that's a good thing. But I don't think, I don't think if, if, if every police officer in that agency filled out an evaluation, sent it in, and said the exact same stuff across the board, I don't think it would change a thing. Nothing is going to change in that city until the, lead, the top leadership is going to change. So good for them for going somewhere else. And the only people that suffer is the poor bastard on the street corner going, don't leave, I like you. Wow. Hey, and, you know, we tell it like it is on the show, guys, for people who think that there's this blue line and we don't want to talk straight about other agencies, you know, like Portland and Seattle and stuff. This proves you uh, you're wrong. I know we've got Attorney Ward and Major Ron. Uh, so go ahead, guys. We've got two and a half minutes. I agree with everything that's been said. I initially liked the article. The only problem I had with it is when I compared it to the article we, sh we may or may not get to about the morale problems at the Capitol. The article about the morale problems at the Capitol talked about insurrection, repeatedly, about insurrection by Trump supporters. There's absolutely nothing in this article in Portland about insurrection by left-wing left rioters. Instead, it refers to national reckoning against racial injustice and police violence, once again demonstrating the, the gross bias of the press in this country. Agreed. Major? Uh, one more thing. One that, more thing. That's good, Brett. That's amazing. Right. I got bronze lips moving, and, and I hear Brett's voice. That's great. <laughs> we look alike. Um, I sent an email uh, to Portland because if you look on the website, there's no mention of any issues. There hasn't been the first mention of any issues downtown. And so I sent him an email saying, hey, I, I want to come to Portland. Matter of fact, there's a school I wanted to go to that's, in, that's close by, so maybe I actually would. And... So I said, hey, should I be concerned about fires or anything downtown? And I got this this back. Now, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Come on. But there's never been anything on the website, no emergency, not, nothing, saying, hey, avoid this area. They, they simply are blind. They won't see it. So I don't know if every of the thousand policemen in that agency did an evaluation. It wouldn't matter. If they don't put anything on the city website about disturbances, it doesn't matter what anybody says. Well, Brett, I got I got two words for you or two things. Number one, Gall sells uh, fire retardant suits and stuff, so you'll be fine if you just go to Galls.com. And also, you're a certified firearm specialist trained by Dan O'Kelly with GunLearn.com. So, dude, you got it yeah. covered, man. We'll be right back after this commercial break. <laughs> 
to take a moment and tell you guys about our friends at Extra Duty Solutions. Inefficiencies can negatively affect your staff's production and morale, as well as your agency's reputation. With proper oversight, your agency's Extra Duty Off-Duty Employment Program it can be profitable. While you still control the program, Extra Duty Solutions, they administer it at no cost to your agency while taking on all the administrative burden and the financial risk. They keep the program fair and transparent. The officers most eligible to work the assignments, they get first crack at them, and they pay it out over $50 million in extra duty work over the past 12 months. You can visit them today at extradutysolutions.com. Also want to tell you about the Viridian Fact Duty Weapon Mounted Camera. It's become the only gun camera in wide use by law enforcement across the nation. It fits standard police duty weapons and holsters and records automatically when the guns is removed from the officer's holster, providing an unobstructed view of critical use of force incidents from the end of the firearm, and it overcomes inherent issues with body cams. The fact duty, and that's the FACT duty, it has a 1080p full high-definition digital camera, has a microphone, a 500-lumen tactical light. It's also less expensive in data management costs than other evidentiary camera systems. You can get more information on the fact duty at gun-camera.com. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. I think we have Major Ronit Mullen up. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> it'd be great if Galls, uh, Galls.com sold some heart and leadership. Um, you know, then that department would be doing a lot better. But what's sad is Brett's 1,000% correct. When Unless you get rid of that, the head, that snake is going to continue to live. Um, is there anyone here? I mean, young producer Will is very young, but do you think even he's shocked that this is going to be the result of what they've done over the last year and a half? I mean, is anyone surprised that people are leaving in droves? Is anyone surprised about their crime rate? You know, and these people that just act like it's, so, you know, if you act like it's so crazy, why are you in the position you are in? How can you not foresee this coming? It's all common sense, common know-how. You know, anyone that's been a cop for two to five years could see this garbage coming, but it's just, it's terrible. And like you say, the bias in reporting and the narrative that's set is set in stone and they, they just hammer you with that garbage. And it's just, it's a fallacy. You know, it's, it's fake land, you know, not Portland, it's fake land. Okay. So and, and, you know, I'm catching. All... And... Go ahead, Brett. Go ahead, Brett. Oh, I'm sorry. And to the other, to the other side, who wanted to defund the police? They must be thinking, man, this is great. We don't have mm -hmm. to defund anything. They're just going to leave. This is they're going to they're mm -hmm. going to trip all the way out, and we're not going to have to lift a finger again. We're just going to have to continue what we're doing, which is working pretty well, comrade. And they're all going to want to leave, so we don't have to get city council involved. We just have to start screaming and shouting and burning and get away with mm -hmm. it, and nothing bad happens, right? That's what that's what kids do. They they test their limits, and nothing bad happens. So for every policeman that leaves. They're having a little victory party. It's such right. annoying that you kowtow to that element. How about you kowtow to your taxpayers and keep them safe? How about that, leaders? Mm. No, right. Nobody saw it. No, nobody called this. Nope. Nobody saw it come. What was that, Chip? I just said, close us out on this. It's only an update, yeah. and we got a couple videos. So go ahead, buddy. Yeah. yeah. Like everybody said, nobody saw this coming. Uh, I guarantee you, Portland signed on to the same thing to, to hire 30% uh, females before a certain time frame. But but they're losing more than they're ever going to be able to hire. Um, it, it'll devolve into anarchy completely, and it's that that social experiment that Ward and I keep uh, clapping about. Going, let's let's see how this goes, you idiots. 
but it'll go across. The, there'll be other cities. You, you, you wait. And we told, I told them, get out, get out, get out, get out. And I'm glad that many of the officers are. Good for them. Yeah. Some, even though you've taken hits on YouTube because of that advice, David, you've got a lot of guys following your lead. So, yeah, I, I agree. All right, guys, uh, let's move on. we got a couple of videos lined up for you. This first one's on Police One, also on Red Voice Media and Thin uh, Blue Line TV. And it says, man with knife chases officer before fatal officer involved shooting. Um, you know, while we had to pick up videos uh, to choose from, I'll tell you. Uh, so, Corvallis, uh, Oregon, a man is armed with a knife, and he ends up uh, chasing an officer and screams, do you want to die, before he's fatally shot by police early on Saturday. So the police officer responded about 3.45 in the morning. There were reports of an aggressive man, later identified as 32-year-old Jeffrey Appet, and he's trying to get into a guest room or different guest rooms at a Days Inn hotel. So body camera footage shows the first officer. He arrives on the scene. He contacts our bad guy near the front doors of the hotel. The officer can be heard asking him what's going on. And so the guy says, leave me alone. And uh, and then he starts chasing the officer and yelling, I'll kill you. And the officer sees our bad guy pull something from his pocket before pursuing the officer through the parking lot. You see the officer's body cam. You don't see the bad guy because the officer's facing the other direction. He's like beating feet, hauling butt away from the bad guy running from him. And the officer's also got a taser in his hand because you, you hear the taser discharging. You see the light from it in his hand while he's running. And, uh, and I know David's going to just tear this guy, tear this guy apart. So the officer pulls his, uh, his taser as he's running. You can see it in video. And uh, you can also see the object in his hand. The officer's uh, taser can be heard going on, the video footage. It's unclear if it actually hits our bad guy. I can tell you it did not. Um, then our bad guy moves back towards the entrance of the hotel in the video. And the officer yells he's got a knife in his hand. But the officer now is staying away from the bad guy, letting him advance on a hotel that's filled, occupied with guests. And so now the uh, bad guy attempts to re-enter the hotel. And there's another officer there. It's unclear whether that officer actually heard the first officer yell that he had a, a, a knife in his possession. But, of course, the first cop did nothing to prevent him from going back to the hotel. So the second officer goes hands-on and tries to take the guy in the, in the custody. I'm saying hands-on with the guy with the knife. And uh, But the bad guy is able to break free. And then he runs in the opposite direction towards yet a third officer who's approaching in a patrol car. And we got a dash cam of that. So thank God this officer is, is worth his salt. He stops his car, gets out. You, can, you can't see the actual shooting, but you see the bad guy approaching the, uh, the officer who's yelling, stop, drop the knife, good verbiage. The bad guy advances on him. You hear the gunshots, and then you hear another string of gunshots. Bad guy goes down, and, uh, and it says that um, I believe the bad guy, I'm trying to see here, believe that he died. It says dash cam video from patrol car. doesn't show the actual shooting yet. Struck multiple times. He died at the scene. Two knives were found at the scene. So that's what we have. Chief Newman, take it. We got um, four minutes. Take it from there. I just wanted to go before David. <laughs> look, look, look I, I don't have a problem with him running a little bit to create distance, but in that run, he goes to taser. He goes to taser. So I'll let David speak, but I want everyone, when they're looking at videos on the show, I want them to think about what we're going to see in a little while in a Department of Corrections jail pod, because it's all about taking action right away taser he he's running because the guy has a knife so his in his head is taser come on man come on man come on yeah. man 
if they don't if they don't fire that first officer, I mean, screw that agency deserves exactly what they get. And uh, and the second officer, if he knew that it was a knife, if he heard the other officer yell and and, and he and he didn't go gun, if he didn't go deadly lethal, then they need to get rid of both those suckers. Then they should promote the freaking third officer that that uh, that 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 killed the bad guy. Um, but yeah, I, I'm taking. I don't want to take away from David's material. I see him. He's shaking his head. I see Ron smiling. Um, at, at least his lips aren't moving, and Brett's not talking at the same time. So that's you know. But anyhow, go, go ahead. <laughs> what I leave out, Ron and Dave. Um, and that, that's exactly it. You know, you see the guy running, and like like Newman said, he's hauling ass to separate. At no point did he stop, turn around, get target acquisition, and double tap. He kept running, and it looked like he was going to run to Georgia. Holy moly! Then when he does, he he takes the takes the taser and he misses with the doggone taser. Then he's like, hey, he has a knife. Hey, he has a knife. And like you said, the guy's tussling with him at the front door or side door, whatever. You have no idea if he knew or should have known or whatever. And then, like you said, the third guy was a cop. He was a true cop. He got out of the car and he took care of business. The guys walk around with two knives. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And he wasn't BSing. He was coming at him with a knife in hand, talking cash stuff, screaming. And, and, and that's what you do. You go for your taser. That, you know, you can tell those are new officers because the you know, old school, you got to, you know, you know who's going to reach across their belly to grab a taser to try to, you know what I mean? It's just craziness. Absolute crazy. If the guy has a knife and he's standing there talking cash stuff and your partner's there and you can get target acquisition, you can try to tase him. Okay, fine. You saved a life. But this guy is actually in the process of trying to kill you, kill two of you, and you tase him. Oh, that was cute. Sad. Yeah. But that, a lot of officers are going to die because they're terrified of the narrative if they do their job. But, you know, you have to have intestinal fortitude to do this job. And if you can't do that, you should go home and um, be with your family because you're going to uh, be in a grave. A minute and 15 seconds, Corporal David. No, go, go, Brett. You're up. All right. Here's what you're missing. You're missing the, the undertone. We need to have a national conversation on assault knife. You saw the picture of the knife. It's obviously designed to kill people so i am all for a national registration of assault knives we need you need to have a psychological evaluation to own one you need to pay 200 dollars in case it's a high capacity assault knife so we just need to talk because isn't it worth one life wow we need a it, conversation don't we it, it was it, it was uh it was painted. It was camouflaged. That's what made it an assault knife. <laughs> hey, 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 Chip, we, we only got like 45 seconds, and I really want to hear what Dave has to say, you know, the, 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 uh, the you know, okay. the Terminator, what do you call But here's it. But I, I'm really curious, and we come back from the break, if that guy works for you and you're playing that video backwards or you're in internal affairs or you're looking at that shooting and that comes in there, because a lot of folks listening in the show, that guy's not going to get fired for that as much as Ronnie and I think he needs to be. That guy's going to probably get a little bit of talking to if his supervisors are worth a damn. But what do you say to a guy like that? What? How do you prevent or to stop that line of thinking where? I know. I agree, Chief. Look, another commercial break. We'll be right back. Guys, well, look, 
Let's talk about industry leader in technology solutions for law enforcement. It's Guardian Alliance Technologies. Their software will cut background investigators' time in half. Now, we all know that there is a call in hiring and selecting who gets to wear the badge. Now, Guardian has developed a CGIS-compliant background investigative software platform that helps you weed out problematic applicants in record time. With Guardian, the entire background check process is more comprehensive, and it's much faster for both the agency and the applicants. No upfront fees or long-term commitments. I strongly recommend visiting them today at GuardianAllianceTechnologies.com. Also, no matter how much you know or think you know about guns and ammunition, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. GunLearn.com, they've taken the confusion out of learning and they made it easy. GunLearn.com is the first and only company to offer a step-by-step -step program that takes you from your present knowledge level to become a safe, accurate, and competent certified firearm specialist. They provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy, and their training is approved by major forensic organizations, law enforcement agencies, and firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything that Leos need to know about firearms and ammunition to all facets of law enforcement. You can start today with online training or register to attend a live seminar. You can get free training for yourself and your personnel by hosting a seminar at no cost to your agency. Come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at gunlearn.com. Welcome back to the Leo Valuable Show. Corporal David D. Gresta, the much anticipated. No, no. I'm, I'm, scenario I'm sorry. Review. I'm sorry to let everybody down this. I, I have no energy left <laughs> to go after these idiots anymore. I just don't. We've seen so much of it in the past. I just I can't do it anymore. It's just it's exhausting. Um, as they would say, we all know the psychology of fight or flight. Um, and all I will say is that the 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 urge of flight is strong in this one. Um, so. This is a person that really needs to look at themselves internally and decide if, if, if this job is something that they really should be doing. Um, that's really what it's coming down to. And then you have agencies, and I, I know that this one is in Oregon, um, that are promoting and browbeating, if, if, if is probably a, a soft word, officers in their training on you know, less, less, we see it all the time, the less lethal, less lethal, less lethal, to the point that they are overdoing it uh, and creating these scenarios in these cops' minds that apparently know no better. Um, but he, he needs to go home and think really hard, long and hard about his job and thank the officer that got out of the car and said, yeah, third's a charm, baby, and, uh, and put the guy on the, on the pavement. So uh, that, that's what needs to happen. Um, I, it's it's just it's just terrible, just terrible. Hey, Thanks, Chip, but, but Chip, I, you know, I'm curious. You know, Brett's probably one of the best instructors we've been around in a long time. All you know, all, all kidding aside, Brett, you're going to talk to this lad, and he wants to still stay in law enforcement. What's the conversation about? You know, threat assessment and your options. Because how do you fix this? I have no idea how long this guy has on the job, but how do you fix? I need to go to Taser. I need to go to Taser. When you should just go, it's time for me to stop running and take care of business. That, you know, that guy, that guy's a coward, you know, in, in my opinion. And um, I know that uh, we're waiting for uh, Brett here. Brett, you want to try your mic again, see if it's working? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I, first off, 
rather than soft soaping it, rather just, you know, tell this guy, you made a mistake because we owe each other in, in the force, in the, in the job, we owe each other the truth. We owe each other the frank truth. You made a mistake, but here's what we're going to, here's how we're going to fix it. We're going to train you. We're going to train the whole department. We're going to, we're going to have some decent uh, uh, scenario based training because there's my guess is they probably don't get it because it is not the national thing to have scenario-based training. But he needs to have a uh, uh, we, the, the Dutch uncle speech. He said, look, pal, you put, a, you put a bunch of other people in jeopardy, right? And you can't be doing this. You're under the bubble. Uh, if this was 20 years ago, we'd, we'd thump you in the head and then fire you. But he's got to be trained, and it's got to be scenario-based because there is not near enough scenario-based training Requalification, as the courts have said many years ago, is not training. Um, and, and nationwide, we don't do a good job with that. All right. Well, there you have it from Captain Brett. So thanks, Captain. Now, look, guys, um, we're going to have, we've got uh, about six and a half minutes left, 642, and we're going to have to end on a um, on the note here. We're not going to be able to carry over the conversation, you know, for the video. So we'll have to end it before the next commercial break. Uh, so let's go ahead and go to another video. And uh, this one, police1.com, Red Voice Media, Thin Blue Line TV, and Donut Operator um, covered this as well. That guy scooped us again, that donut dude. Um, he's, he's a, uh, he's a good guy though. He's got a great channel and he's got a, a, a huge following. Um, so if you guys get a, ch a chance to check out donut operator on YouTube, please do. Uh, but this title is inmate holding detention officer hostage is shot by police. I think it was chief Newman that made reference to this. So we're in Oklahoma city, Oklahoma city PD. Um, they released a video on Friday showing, uh, inmates drag beat and stab a jailer before police shot and killed the guy who was holding the inmate, or I'm sorry, the inmate who was holding the jailer with a homemade knife. Uh, and he was holding it to the jailer's neck. Now it's a graphic video. It shows police and sheriff's deputies enter the pod at the Oklahoma County Detention Center. They shoot and kill 34-year-old inmate whose name is Curtis Montrell Williams. He's standing on the top of a landing and he's holding a knife to the neck of jailer Daniel Mesquez, who was on his knees at the time. Now, after Williams, uh, our bad guy, was shot, um, uh, our jailer, Mesquez, tumbles down the staircase. Officers pull him to safety. They leave the pod. Now, the jailer was treated at a hospital for injuries that were not life-threatening, you know, but he was hurt. Now, police identified the officers who shot Williams as, and it was a, a pretty good shooting, Lieutenant Coy Gilbert, 23-year veteran, and Officer Kevin uh, Coleman, five years of service. Now, Chief Wade Gurley said the officers were unable to immediately check on Williams, the bad guy, the render aid, because inmates, it wasn't secure. So they had to pull the uh, the good guy out and, uh, you know, or, or, you know, the right thing happened, you know. So Williams' family, our bad guy's family, has criticized police and jail officials for the handling of the incident, calling for the two officers and for Chief Gurley to be fired. Now, Gurley's, uh, well, I, actually, here's a response from Donald Lambert. So he's Williams, the bad guy's stepfather, says uh, he should not have lost his life behind these conditions up in here and the stress that he was under, um, talking about the jail conditions. The, of course, he got himself into the jail conditions in the first place. Gurley, who's the chief, uh, who was hired as chief two years ago, after 30 years with the department, said that he has no plans to step down. So he's not going to give in to the pressure. Now, that said, Chief Newman, the floor is yours. Sure. First of all, I expect that out of family to do the liability shifting, and we never got that article last week. But that is about shifting accountability and shifting who's responsible for whose actions. That This video is an example of immediately assessing it. This guy slings, I think he slings his shotgun, whatever he had, single-handed up the stairs and puts two on the bad guy. 
Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? I, I just sat there and go, look, there are still people in our profession, whether it's corrections or, or, or law enforcement, that recognize what needs to be done. Very difficult shot, Brett. Up the stairs, the victim was one step below him. He put two on him. Bam. End of story. End of story. That is what you call threat assessment with just a great solution. Awesome. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was awesome. I went home and told everybody about it. Thanks, Chief. I think I know that, you know, donut operator, uh, I think his name is Cody Garrett. Good guy. Uh, I think that he was under the impression it was one shooter. Um, the article says there was two shooters. Um, but regardless, man, I, I, I agree. Just a, a fantastic shot. Just a, a, a great, well, a great well, video. David. We'll clear this up, Chip. Who was it that was rolling down the stairs? Was that the hostage officer? Yeah, you see it? So came, damn. Yeah, <laughs> they had, but they had stabbed him in his butt and his upper legs. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just saying, you know, good for him. He, I, I guess, what's the worst there? Roll down the stairs or stay up top? But poor guy, holy smokes, good for him. Listen, that's that's called John the, the the shooting, and and I want to let everybody you know, you could spread the wealth on something like that. Two guys want to get in on it. That's that's fine if you're in position, um, but. Uh, that's just that's de-escalation. That's what that is. Immediate. And you it saw is. the video. The fascinating part of it, you saw the video with all the inmates uh, when, when they're out running around in the pod before the guys before the, the guys with guns showed up. Um, were running around, bouncing off the walls, yelling and screaming, throwing stuff, stabbing the uh, the uh, the the uh, booking deputy, whatever whatever he was, um, as they're running, kicking him and whatnot, uh, brutalizing him as as the as the, the term was. Um, but as soon as the, as soon as the guys that meant business showed up, everybody ran, ran right back into the whole like holes like a bunch of rats. <laughs> so then they had the one target that they took care of. The only thing that I didn't like in the end was um, I always go by the uh, the mantra: I catch it, I clean it. <clears throat> um, so if I come in there, if, if if it's me coming into that pod with my guys, and we're gonna we're going to take that situation and we're gonna put that situation back under control. It's mine. Anybody else that's in there, anybody that works there, sorry. I'm not taking orders from you at this point. This place belongs to me. Um, I didn't like what I believe was uh, a female uh, person. I'm not sure what rank or who she was that was yelling, everybody get out, everybody get out after the shooting occurred. I'm like, no, this, this is now my floor. I own it. Anybody that sticks their head out of a, out of a jail cell is going to get it blown off. So I suggest you stay in there while we lock this place down. Um, but once you make a statement like that, you don't retreat. You hold it. It's it's yours. You own it. Um, so other than that, the guys did a great job. They came in. They did their job. They de-escalated the situation appropriately and got the guy out and got the uh, the hostage out of there. Good for them. Now, thanks, Corporal. Now we got 36 uh, seconds or so, Corporal, and uh, we're yeah. going to go all the way to the top of the hour. But you know, David's uh, for our listeners. He's the only guy on the show that retired as a police officer and as a sheriff's deputy, so he's got the experience through the sheriff's office. What do you think about this guy using a pistol instead of a long gun, David? I don't care what he used. What, what you're comfortable with, go in. If again, if they're going into that situation and they don't have a rifle, then fine. You, you go to Impressive. pistol if that's what you're comfortable with. At the bottom of the stairs, you're what? 15 20 feet at, at best on that shot um so yeah you come in there the the, the, the hostage is down in his knees he's below All the right. guy we'll be right back after this commercial break 
Yeah. All right. Well, look, thank you, Corporal. Hey, guys, this is the end of our one-hour segment. So we split it up now because some of the radio stations carry the one-hour version of our show and uh, other ones carry the full two-hour version. And, of course, it's a 90-minute show, but every 45 minutes makes out for – you know, one hour of radio because they throw in their news, weather and, uh, and sports and stuff and traffic. So, uh, so guys, thank you for watching the first hour. 